Hello, Psychologia listeners. Here at the podcast, we are big fans of autumn and All Hallows' Eve. This is a special time of year when the days begin to shorten, the light takes on a golden quality, and the veil between the living and the dead seems to flutter momentarily as things die and are harvested against a backdrop of flaming leaves. In honor of this season, we are bringing you a mini-episode, a case study of a real-life horror story caught inextricably in the thin net that separates the old world of religion and faith from today's understanding of science and psychology. So dim the lights, light a candle, and settle in for the sad and harrowing tale of the exorcism of Annalise Michel. Welcome to Psychologia, the podcast where we explore the science behind why we do what we do. I'm your host, Amaya Perta. On September 21st, 1952, a baby girl was born in Bavaria, West Germany. Her parents, Josef and Anna, were members of the Catholic Church, and they were deeply religious. They baptized the little girl Anna Elisabeth Michel, but she was known as Annalise. She was raised with three sisters, but, according to some sources, her mother had had a fifth daughter, who was born illegitimately. If this was true, it would have caused a great deal of strain for the Catholic family and perhaps been the foundation of a stress and tension in the home. The Michels raised the girls with a strict religious upbringing. They attended Mass twice a week and prayed regularly at home. It is said that Annalise felt the need to atone for the birth of her mother's first child and harbored feelings of guilt and shame. When she was 16, Annalise had a severe convulsive seizure. After taking her to several medical professionals, her parents learned that she had temporal lobe epilepsy. She was also diagnosed as being seriously depressed, and she began treatment at a psychiatric hospital. In June of 1970, Annalise experienced a third seizure and was prescribed medication. She started to take the anticonvulsant Dilantin, but it did not alleviate all of her problems. At this point, she began to see things. She described devil faces and other hallucinations, many with a religious undertone. In an effort to better control her symptoms, she was given Aolept, a drug similar to chlorpromazine, also known as the chemical lobotomy, which we discussed in our episode on lobotomy. This drug was also used to treat schizophrenia. It was hoped that it would help to reduce Annalise's hallucinations and spiritual delusions, but it was not effective. 
1973, when she was 21 years old, Annalise began studying at the University of Würzburg. Her classmates thought she was strange and would later describe her as withdrawn and very religious. That same year, Annalise began to have auditory hallucinations while she was praying. She heard voices telling her that she was damned and would rot in hell. She was again taken to a psychiatric hospital, but her condition only worsened. She became increasingly frustrated and disillusioned with medical treatment, and her family began to believe that her distress and symptomology were caused by something other than mental illness. They believed, instead, that she was possessed by demons. Annalise became completely intolerant of sacred places and objects. If the crucifix was brought near her, she would have violent reactions. She went with a family friend on a pilgrimage to San Damiano in Italy, where St. Francis of Assisi is said to have seen a crucified icon of Christ come to life in 1205 AD. At the holy site, however, Annalise was unable to even walk past a crucifix, and she refused to drink the water flowing from a blessed spring. Utterly convinced of her demonic possession, her family sought the help of a Catholic priest and begged for an exorcism. By the 20th century, the Catholic Church took exorcism very seriously, and the Michels had to ask many priests before finding one who would even consider performing the ritual. Most encouraged the family to continue medical treatment and to look further into possible underlying psychological causes. They said that exorcisms required the permission of a bishop and that official approval for the ceremony was only given when a person was definitely suffering from demonic possession, called infestatio, and every priest refused to acknowledge that Annalise was possessed by demons. She began to deteriorate mentally and physically. She was hostile and aggressive. She repeatedly injured herself and even drank her own urine and ate insects. At the end of 1973, she began taking Tegretol, a mood stabilizer and anti-seizure medication, but nothing seemed to alleviate her symptoms. She appealed once again to a priest named Ernst Alt in a letter, writing, quote, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. Pray for me. I want to suffer for other people, but this is so cruel. Later that year, a second priest, Arnold Renz, finally convinced the local bishop, Josef Stengel, to reconsider Annalise's case. And, in September of 1975, they received permission to begin performing exorcism rites according to the Rituale Romanum of the Catholic Church, written in 1614 under one condition. The proceedings had to remain a total secret. Renz performed the first session on September 24, 1975, and from that moment on, Annalise received no further medical treatment or supervision. For the next 10 months, 
The priests attempted to exorcise the many demons they believed were tormenting her soul, at least once or twice a week. Sixty-seven sessions were conducted, many lasting as long as four hours. The priests and her parents believed that Annalise was possessed by as many as ten demons, including Lucifer, Cain, Nero, Judas, and even Hitler. During the rituals, Annalise attempted to control the evil forces within her through self-flogging, repeatedly, sometimes to such a violent extent that she had to be held upright as she beat herself. She ranted and raved and screamed profanity. She snarled like a wild animal and went into a rage at the sight of religious symbols. At one point, she purportedly spent two days under the kitchen table, barking like a dog at anyone who came near her. She reportedly urinated and defecated repeatedly on the floor and then licked up her own waist. According to witnesses, she even spoke in long dead languages that she could not possibly have had the chance to learn. 42 of the rituals were recorded, and the audio is truly harrowing. We have a link to some of it on our website. Slowly, Annalise stopped eating and then drinking. She began to speak of dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day and the apostate priests of the modern church. She grew weaker and weaker and thinner and thinner until she had lost over half her body weight and she couldn't move without help. She was slowly starving to death. On July 1st, 1976, she died in her home. When the autopsy was performed, she was found to weigh just 68 pounds. She was dehydrated and malnourished, and she had pneumonia. And both of her knees were broken from repeated genuflections during the exorcism. After an investigation, the state charged Annalise's parents and the two priests, Ernst Alt and Arnold Rentz, with negligent homicide. The state prosecutor, after reading over the autopsy reports, stated that her death could have been prevented if the rituals had stopped just one week before she died. The trial began on March 30, 1978, in the district court, and it became a media sensation. Annalise's body was exhumed for re-examination, and the court heard the tapes recorded during the ten months of secret rituals. In the end, both Yosef and Anna Michal were found guilty, as were the priests, and all were sentenced to six months in jail, which was reduced simply to three years of probation, and fined. In the aftermath, Annalise's story became a textbook case often cited as an example of extreme religious hysteria and abuse and a tragic misidentification of mental illness. And the details became the basis for many exorcist horror stories. As for the home where she lived, 
suffered through her torment and 67 exorcisms and finally died, it is not the creepy pilgrimage destination that you may imagine. No, as a final twist to this sad tale, in 2013 a fire broke out and it was burned to the ground. The local police reported it as a case of arson, but many townspeople believe that it was burnt by Satan worshippers, bringing a fitting end to the haunted building known as the Exorcism House. Thank you for listening to Psychologia. This episode was created and produced by me, Amaya Perda, with help from Mario Rivera and original sound design and music composition by Cameron Carter. You can find all episodes of Psychologia on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Take a moment to write us a review. It really helps us out. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Psychologia Podcast or Twitter at PsychologiaCast and visit our website for show notes and supplemental materials or to subscribe to the Psychologia Report at psychologiapodcast.com. We'll be back next time with another episode exploring the science behind why we do what we do.